Good afternoon, team, and the entire Virtus family. Welcome to week two of the podcast. It feels like only yesterday we started started this thing, so that's kind of exciting. Uh, today we were lucky enough to speak with two of my very good friends and colleagues at Virtus Performance, Katie Dean, our senior performance coach, and Maddie Borg, our accredited practicing dietitian. I'm pretty sure that's what APD stands for, but if not, I'm sure we'll find out. So we had a really, really good chat about what they do, why they do it, um, what they, what issues they deal with with most of the people they speak to. We also had a really, really good chat about creating a healthy relationship with food and exercise and what little tricks and tips they've got to help you guys feel better about what you're putting in your mouths and and what you're doing with, with that fuel and, and how your body's moving. So... Yeah, enjoy. Alrighty, guys, it's go time for week two of the podcast, episode number two. We have Maddie Borg, our dietitian here at Virtus, and Katie Dean, one of our performance coaches. Welcome, guys. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Maddie, so you're our dietitian. I am. What brought you to wanting to be a dietitian? Where'd you start? Um, I kind of just stumbled upon being a dietitian. I always wanted to study med when I was at school. Um, worked my ass off to hopefully study med and kind of got to a point where I was like, I'm just not going to get the grades that I need to get into med. And once I start something, I feel like I really need to finish it. And I was worried that I would get stuck in this cycle of doing 10 undergrad degrees before I even got into med. And yeah. then I'd just be in the rest of my life, basically. And so I was really lost as to what else I could study or what else I wanted to do. And I knew what a dietitian was, didn't know about a lot about what they did, but I knew that they worked with food. And I have always had a massive passion for food. And we so all I, love food. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I love food a lot. <laughs> I kind of went to myself, well, if you love food and you love cooking, there can be nothing bad about going to uni and studying for four years about food and what people think about food and how people relate to food and the role it plays in our life and our health and all of that. So it was kind of just like, okay, well, let's give it a go and see what happens there. And here I am. Awesome. So your business name? Live Nutritious. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Instagram, get around it. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you get to that name? Why, why'd you pick Live Nutritious? Um, I wanted something that was kind of holistic. It wasn't specifically about food and being on a diet. I hate the word diet. And we'll talk about diets a bit later on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really like them. Um, so I wanted a really kind of neutral name that didn't promote anything like that and it was more about living a healthy and happy life it came down to me just spending literally a day writing down names that I liked and words that I liked and kind of combining them and seeing where I got and spending a lot of time on the business name register and just seeing what (laughs) I could actually have and I got down to a list of three names and just put it out to family and friends and got them to vote and then we excellent excellent name how what what made you want to be a dietitian at Virtus um, as I've said to you guys before, I never really wanted to work in a gym. Sometimes gyms have a really bad culture around food and it's all about 12-week programs and cutting out this and eating more of this and I am not about that. I don't agree with that. I don't think that we should have that mentality around food. It works sometimes, but not for a general a general outlook on food. Um, someone showed me your post about wanting a dietitian and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, no worries. And he was like, no, you have to get in there. You have to go meet them. And yeah, it was kind of 
once I walked through the doors, I didn't really want to leave. And you guys awesome. all liked what I had to say. And Katie, you were very on board with my philosophy with food. So that helps having someone in this environment that kind of backs that and supports that, which everyone here does. So, yeah, once I realised that you guys were going to be supporting that kind of outlook and wanting to work with that, I was like, yeah, this is where I need to be. That's really cool. It was definitely the cheapest yeah. job advertisement I've ever yeah. done. One <laughs> single, one, <laughs> one single Instagram post. Katie. Yes. Talk to us. Okay. A little bit of a different route. Yep. Where'd you start? Um, I started. Well, I started getting into this industry basically just with a history of playing sport, um, netball, football, anything I could get my hands on. Um, and I went to uni to actually be a dietitian. So I started with the idea of being a dietitian. I didn't know what options were out there for people who enjoyed sport and fitness. Um, I obviously knew that there was PTs and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah. but I knew that I wanted to do something meaningful and challenging. Um, so when I started my first year of uni, I was also doing sports science subjects and I soon realized, um, that was kind of more the path that I wanted to go down. Um, and the, the dietetic stuff, I soon realized as Maddie would know that it's very controversial. Um, and Certainly is. yeah, very controversial and it's a hard gig. Like I honestly praise dietitians for having that job because you deal with so many more opinions and, um, like controversial views than mm-hmm. even more than us in the fitness industry. We deal with it enough as it is. So that's debatable, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, so as the um, degree went on, I realized I liked physiology and rehab and I just really wanted to help people. And um, even though I wasn't a sport, I basically wanted to do something meaningful, which to me was rehab and, and exercise for reasons other than aesthetics and looks and all those superficial things that, you know, which are great if you want to improve, but I just for longevity of health and fitness, you've got to have more. And that's what I wanted to do. So, um, yeah, I, I wanted to get into, I guess, lifestyle management, um, but also keeping sport and athletic development on the side. Yep. So did my master's, um, not did my master's, got into my master's, worked hard to get into it. And yeah, now I'm at Virtus and it's, it's a nice balance to have both. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about your role at Virtus. Um, so I'm a performance coach at Virtus. I... What does that mean? (laughs) It means I help people be better. So I think some people might hear the the term performance coach and think performance or high performance, but it's not. It's just helping people perform like at home in their everyday life, um, be happy and healthier humans, I guess. Um, so when I actually found Virtus, I was like, yep, I want a job there. So I kind of forced my way in. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Yeah. I, yeah, I had seen a lot of what, um, Lockie and Jesse at the time were posting and I thought I just, I kind of almost was like, this is where I need to be. Like I found where I belong because it wasn't like I said about, you know, diets, like Maddie said, it wasn't about, um, you know, training, no pain, no gain type mentality. It was just really like, um, holistic evidence-based caring down to earth. That's what I wanted to do. Awesome. Awesome. Um, 
So today, I guess the main topic we want to talk about is creating a healthy relationship with food yes. and exercise um, and putting it all together. I guess the big, the big thing, that, the big driver for us creating Virtus was creating a holistic environment where people could come and talk about food, exercise, sleep, stress, work, everything. Um, and we kind of put it all together to help create those happy, healthy people. Um, and I guess... You sustainable. Guys, yeah, sustainable. Awesome. And that, and that's a word that, yeah. that probably doesn't get used in the fitness industry and probably dietetics no, as no, much no. as it should. Um, what, Maddie, what does a healthy relationship with food mean? Um, it's about something that you can, a big word, sustain for your whole life. What we eat isn't one space in time. We shouldn't be changing how or what we eat with the seasons or with the fad diets that come out or anything like that. It's about maintaining and developing a relationship and thoughts and feelings and habits around food that are going to help us be happy and healthy for our whole lives. Not just now, not just for not the summer, ten, not for 10 weeks, not for 10 weeks, not for <laughs> bikini come December. It's so that you are happy and healthy and comfortable and feeling well all the time. And I guess that's a big thing and a hard thing to address in terms of diet because everyone wants a quick fix that gives them results, whatever that result may be. Um, they want it now. And, yeah, you can do that with a diet. Um, but a lot of the time that said diet is very hard to maintain and when it isn't maintained, then we end up back at square one, whatever that is. And there's nothing wrong with being at square one. There's always room... Well, Got to start somewhere. Room, yeah, for improvement. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with changing and working with a diet or an eating pattern to improve it and get out of it what you want, whatever goal that is. We can always have goals in terms of what we're eating. Yeah. Um, but it's making goals and setting goals and working towards goals, goals that we can sustain for a longer period of time than just a quick mm-hmm. fat fix. I guess. Yeah. Katie, same question, but. Adding in exercise as well. Okay. So, um, like Maddie said, I think my main thing, and I've said this to a few of my clients, is the faster you obtain something, the faster you can lose it. The longer something takes, the longer you can sustain it. So I'm going to write that down. Yeah. So, with, like, diet and exercise, um, if you make short-term goals or short-term changes over time, you're more likely to sustain them and that's super boring and people might hear that and be like oh but you know i I want that now and i need it by you know by this day um but is it the thing is is it going to make you better than what you were is it going to do that because i know with diets or even extreme exercise regimes um you may be better or different for 10 weeks where do you end up when that ends and you most sadly most of the time you are worse off than what you were in the beginning because you might have lost weight in the first place just for example but you're going to regain that you're also going to gain a whole lot of anxiety about your quote-unquote failures with an unsustainable program and how you look Um, and how you feel about yourself and and self-esteem yeah that's exactly right and like the dieting and fitness industry kind of feeds off this idea that look how much better your life would be if you lost weight or look how much better you would be if you did. Were shredded. 
yeah, exactly right. And it's not the case. It's just, and yeah, self-loathing and self-hatred yeah. promotes self-loathing and self-hatred. So I guess me and Maddie, like, it was awesome when Maddie came on because I was like, oh, she's totally on the same page. But you kind of weaseled your way into this podcast like you weaseled your way into Burtis. <laughs> the same thing. I just, you know, if I want something, I just go for it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was stoked when Maddie came along because um, she had, like, the same ideals around, I guess, wanting to reduce those short-term fixes that yep. actually sometimes end up more negatives and positives. Yeah. So most, most of those short-term fixes tend to be centered around a diet, exactly, right? Yeah. What is a diet? When you guys say diet, it's half of your job title, Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Um, and and how, is it, how is it looked at the wrong way? A diet is essentially an eating pattern and we can't escape that. We all have eating patterns. We're going to have an eating pattern. We're not going to stop eating. Who wants to stop eating? I don't. Um, but the word diet, I guess, in the common sense when people think about it, it's about changing the way we eat. And more often than not, it's about creating restrictive patterns often that we only or people will only follow for 10, 12 weeks to, to gain something called essentially lose weight but to gain a change or see something happen differently in the way that they look feel act um but yeah it's about unfortunately a diet refers to restricting food Mm. and shaming different foods and feeling bad for eating different foods and has a lot of negative thoughts associated with eating and food groups and I'm, i'm only a humble strength coach but I feel as though all of my clients who don't restrict and everyone who has a healthy relationship with food, they look at food as kind of two things, something they can enjoy and something they look Mm. forward to doing with in mind that food is a fuel. Food fuels your body to get up in the morning, to work, to run, to play football. It might fuel you physically, but it might fuel you psychologically. Like you could be sitting there with your family enjoying a meal and you're having like an awesome time because mum's cooked something that you've had since you were five years old. Like Think of Christmas. Like in our society, Christmas is about a big Christmas lunch or a big Christmas dinner, a heap of food and everyone coming together and everyone's happy and having fun and laughing and connecting with food and the dieting industry have turned that into an opportunity yeah. to do post Christmas, you know, <laughs> ways to keep healthy over Christmas. And it's just like, why do we have to have negative, yeah, yeah, negative, I guess, attitudes towards something that should be positive and enjoyable? Like, do you, do you diet, think? No, you go. sorry, diet. so yeah, I guess, like May said, diet to me is like in that kind of sense is a restriction of calories or food intake with the intent of losing weight yeah definitely yeah. definitely do you do you think that we can restrict foods or food groups safely and do you think it's necessary at times yes definitely yeah and it depends what it's for there are reasons that people need to be on diets for therapeutic reasons for medical reasons like a diet the hard thing is i hate the word diet because it has so many negative connotations but it is just a word to refer to an eating pattern and people have to follow different eating patterns for a whole heap of different reasons, whether it be medical or cultural or religious, like that's just the way of the world and we can change the way we eat from time to time depending on these things. It's just that it's become a thing where healthy people are so caught up in this 
health industry and they feel so compelled to do what someone else is doing or do this because someone else said they need to do this because it's going to make them better and it's going to make them lose five kilos in two weeks or this, that or the other. And yeah, it's become a bad word because it's got all these connotations to it that involve restricting what we're eating and for the wrong reasons. Yeah, and that's why it doesn't work because like you said, diet is essentially just ways of people eating and mm-hmm. that's exactly why restrictive or prescriptive diets don't work because it's a one size fits all for people who have a million different things like you get two people they've both got different work hours for example they've both got different taste preferences they've both got different um you know family values towards food and you're telling these two same people to eat this is the right food this is the wrong food yeah it's just so wrong yeah i feel as though there's a disconnect for most people between how they should feel when they eat and how they should feel when they eat certain things. Mm-hmm. Like for me, if I've had a big day at work and had a good dinner, I love treating myself to like an ice cream or a yeah. or a coffee or something and like that. You've just used a positive word like treat or pleasurable food is a really nice way to speak about it. Not I'm going to have something naughty or bad. Food, bad. Yeah. It's, that just sets up a really unhealthy, yeah. like we're speaking about, relationship yeah. with food. I got home yesterday after being furthest for most of the morning and I'd been talking to someone yesterday morning about Nutella and I'd been thinking about Nutella from about 9 o'clock in the morning from that point and I got home and I was like, screw it, I'm getting the <laughs> Nutella jar out and I'm having a scoop of it. I loved that, like it was amazing. I sat there with my scoop of Nutella on the couch and just enjoyed it. Yeah. I didn't go, oh shit, now I've got to go for a run or... I've got to tomorrow I've got to eat something different or exactly I don't have to cut out what I eat tomorrow I don't have to train harder tomorrow I ate the Nutella because I wanted it and because it made me happy and that's it Maddie wrote something really good on the whiteboard I'm not exactly sure 100% how you wrote it but it was um, what today's meal isn't yeah you could probably rephrase Um, it so it was to do with what you're eating today has nothing to do with what you're going to eat tomorrow or what you ate yesterday or what you should eat tomorrow it's just enjoy the meal as it is now Mm-hmm. it's done you hopefully you enjoyed what you ate at that time and there's no reason to punish yourself or do anything like that because of what you ate today like just it's a new day tomorrow just start again do yeah. what you want to do eat what you want to eat and feel good about it yeah and like i personally have a history of dieting when i was a teenager yeah. and when i read that i was like that's exactly what i used to do and the diet culture told me to do that yeah. like if you know and you can't control life. Like life is not static. It's plastic. Like it's plastic. So, just say on Monday you've I don't know what what's considered a pleasurable food. Had the piece of cake. You go to a friend's birthday on Friday and there's cake, and you go, hang on a minute. I had it four days ago. I'm not going to eat it. That's generally what a lot of females have an attitude towards with eating, and what the diet culture kind of sense. tells you to do. Like, um, I don't even innocent kind of things like oh just have chocolate once a week that's that's a food rule and that's dieting mentality like it's yeah Yeah. so when I read that I was like bang on Maddie (laughs) yeah do you think there's a there's an issue with education in terms of what people know are good foods and I say good foods there you go but what people know are nutritious foods and what people don't know are nutritious foods there's a massive issue with nutrition education in my opinion and it's not what we know it's what we don't know I think I've had this opinion for quite a long time throughout my degree because we did a lot of stuff about 
the holes and the gaps in nutrition education for the general population. And I guess I was lucky, I grew up in a house where we ate healthy, no, no missing quotes, because what is healthy food? Like this so is audio, Maddie. Yeah, I'm not a video, but... We ate a very healthy, balanced diet, and I knew what food was, and my pop has this massive, big vegetable garden, and we would go pick out produce and stuff like that. So I was very lucky in that regard, but what I knew about food just seemed like general knowledge. And so when I was studying, I was like, oh yeah, this is just a given, this is a given, like everyone knows that they need to eat fruit and vegetables. And we kept getting reminded that no, people don't understand that. Everyone starts from a different point. Yeah, Mm. and I think the point that I... It really hit me was earlier this year, I was working at a community centre and I was doing a cooking program with young girls and we were making a stir fry and one of the girls pulled a vegetable out of the grocery bag and said, what's this? And it was a capsicum. Mm. And I just, like, I was really taken back because I was like, how does she not know what a capsicum is? Like, it's, it killed me inside to know that kids don't understand what different fruits and vegetables are for something that I thought was such general knowledge like how do we have that gap in our education system and in our society where kids don't even know what vegetables are yeah Yeah. i guess it depends on like the um i guess area that they live the society that they're in like the families that they grow up in like there's so many different factors that like that's a whole other podcast (laughs) we need to do something about addressing nutrition education so that the kids that are growing up now can teach their kids and they can teach their kids and we can hopefully eradicate this whole issue with people not understanding or just not knowing about food. And I guess, um, I think I've heard this too, and this is um, just a general statement, but um, the more food variety children and people have in general, the better off oh, you are. Like, um, I guess they talk about people who, from the Mediterranean, who you yeah. know had super healthy balanced varied diets yeah. it's because they ate seasonal it's not possible for us to eat seasonal yeah. because we can't all afford organic food and all that sort of stuff but to and open we have this this opportunity to eat whatever yeah. we want to do unfortunately our food industry is a bit messed up that we want to be able to eat apples all year round so we get apples from everywhere we grow apples all year round yeah. but actually they don't grow yeah so, so i guess yeah like opening people's eyes up to all the foods pleasurable and nutritious foods is only going to improve their relationship with food and um, how much they're eating yeah i don't think it's necessarily that people as people don't know people want to eat healthy and people want to look after themselves and people want to eat well um but it's it's hard when people like genuinely don't know the difference between nutritious foods and energy dense foods one of the quotes that i love so much that i heard a couple of days ago that i wrote on the wall at Virtus. Um, is when you know better, you do better. So if if people know, they tend to make the right decisions most of the time. You know, we're we're all adults. We all tend to make the wrong decisions a lot of the time. But if we know better, we tend to do better. What really, really simply, what's the difference between a nutrient dense food and an energy dense food? <laughs> um, to me, this this is where I get stuck to try and explain it. Um. Nutrient dense obviously has the things that we want in it. It's got a whole heap of vitamins and minerals and protein. It's got a moderate amount of energy because our body needs kilojoules or calories or energy. It needs that kind of stuff to get moving and to get it to do what we want it to do. And energy dense food is one that is very high in energy at the expense of having all these vitamins and minerals. So yeah, it's going to give our body the energy that it needs. A lot of the time it will give us a spike, so it will come down very quickly, but there's no other benefit to eating the food. Our body doesn't get other stuff out of it, essentially. Mm-hmm. 
perfect. Think of an apple and a Mars bar. Yeah. Which one's going to have more energy? Which one's going to have more nutrients? It's a, it's a fairly, for us, it's fairly simple because we yeah. deal with it every day. Yeah. But it's not as simple as it seems yeah. for a lot of people. I think what I was going to say before when you were talking about a healthy diet, a healthy diet has chocolate in it and yeah. it has cake in it. It has, has a Mars bar. bar mm. Because Beer? that is healthy to eat that kind of food and to have that yeah. relationship that Definitely. you don't feel bad about eating those foods exactly. and things like that. And I think, Unhealthy yeah. diet is one where you restrict all of that. I think Maddie would um, like understand as well, when you actually allow like food freedom you naturally drift towards those nutrient-dense foods. You don't want to eat the um, energy-dense foods mm-hmm. all the time. You want to eat those when you restrict them. Yep. That's just simple human yep. behaviour. I read a um, quote the other day, um, and it was about essentially saying that when you tell yourself you can't have something, you want it. Mm. And it's based around this whole psychological process of you're telling yourself that you can't have chocolate, so you're obviously always thinking about not having chocolate. And when you're not think, when you think about not having chocolate, you are thinking about chocolate. Mm. And naturally, you want now chocolate I'm thinking about because chocolate. you want chocolate. So when we tell ourselves that we can't have something, we're always going to want it more. So it's about yeah, at the moment I want a piece of chocolate. I'm going to have a piece of chocolate. Don't knock off a whole block on your own in five minutes. Have a couple of lines of the chocolate. Enjoy it when you have it. And then move on and go about your day. It's not a write-off now that you've eaten one bad thing, so let's just go for it and eat everything else that we want that we can find in the fridge. Um, it's just, it's a nothing in the day. You had some chocolate because you felt like some chocolate. And all foods, uh, foods are equal. Oh, where is that? Mitch posted this really cool thing that a girl said this morning, and I was just like, oh my God, it blew my mind. Feel free to find it. I'll ask Katie a question. Yeah. <coughs> what? A lot, we all have people that come in and say, I'm going to start eating better this week or I'm going to start training better this week or this is, this is my time to really get everything going. Mm-hmm. Why do people fall down? Why don't those diets or training programs work? Okay, so there's, like, there's a lot of answers to that question. Um, first off, I'll start by saying, by putting it this way, which make, does tend to make people think. Um, people tend to blame themselves when they fall down. But my counter question is if the diets work and if diets are so effective, why couldn't you stick to it? Like I think people, you didn't fail the diet, the diet failed you. <laughs> like when we look at, when we look at, um, I guess just say medicine yep. um, or yeah, just say if someone started taking a medicine and then it gave them like negative I guess, um, side effects like anxiety, um, weight gain, regain two years later, um, Mm. and it cut out things that they enjoy. We would deem that medication not a great option. We hope. We'd We'd hope so. We would hope. But with diets, people tend to just blame themselves. And I would argue that the diet is the issue. You're not the issue. No. Um, the diet wasn't suited to you. Correct. So that's why yeah. it well, There's a tipping work. point. We've got to take responsibility. Yeah. And um, if, if people talk about like weight gain with diets, our bodies are primarily built to s- sustain or maintain our weight. Okay. So Correct. if we go back to like, it's like a, it's a um, primal reflex for our bodies to do weight maintenance. So people who go on restrictive diets um, quite quickly, 
and abruptly lose weight, your body will go into survival mode. It'll increase your hunger hormones. Um, so like ghrelin and neuropeptide. Why is that right? Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. Yeah. yeah. It increases those hunger hormones. So yeah. as soon as you lose body fat, your body goes, all right, I want you to get hungrier because I, I feel like something's gone wrong here. Yeah. Um, secondly, as Maddie said before, mm-hmm. when you don't allow yourself to eat something, you want it even more. That's mm-hmm. a psychological reflex. Yeah. And food appears more desirable when you're on a diet it honestly does like and this is why people like your body is trying to stop you from doing what you're doing for one and after you stop that diet those hormones are maintained Mm -hmm. at an increased um level so people do four or five diets and they think on the fifth diet why can't i stick to this one two years ago i stuck to that diet well it's because your body is fighting for you not to, to do this. yeah not to do this and not to lose weight another thing on that is your body it needs fuel there's no question whether you are training or not training just to walk from one end of the room to the other to yeah. get out of it in the morning to get into your car your body needs energy to be able to do that you can't drive your car without petrol that's right same yeah. thing for her body exactly and Unless um, diesel. <laughs> when you restrict your body of that fuel that it needs whether it's skipping a meal or cutting down on your portion sizes unrealistically or doing things like this your body needs stuff to keep running, so it stores everything. Mm-hmm. And quite often, people find that they're gaining weight when they're actually eating less. And it's because instead of your body going, oh, yeah, I've got a meal, I'll use what I need to use, yep. and I will use the rest of it when we exercise, and I'll store a little bit of it for later. It goes, shit, I haven't had food for 12 hours, and I'm running on yep. empty. And if this happens again, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I'm just going to pop all of this in my reserve so that... When I don't get food for another 12 hours, I've got stuff That's there. right. And, like, Locke, you're big on talking about cortisol. Um, the psychological and physical stress of being on a restrictive diet and the anxieties that come with that, you're going to get an increase in cortisol, which mm-hmm. increases your fat storage. So, um, basically, the diet is doing, over time, what you don't want it to do. Yeah, but it's a vicious we, cycle. We still keep turning to them. Yeah. So it's a cultural this, thing. Yeah, Our body is this really in tune... Yeah, your body's smarter than you think it is. (laughs) It knows what it needs and it knows what it needs to do and it has so many mechanisms to try and overcome what we're doing but we become so stubborn and so insistent that this is the right way and this is what I'm going to do. This is going to make my life better. And your body's like, no, it's not. And I'm going to do everything that I can which you don't realise because it's going on inside and there's all those little bugs living in our skin. But it does. It fights it and it fights a lot harder than we can. Yeah. I'll be the devil's advocate for a second. Mm -hmm. What's the solution? I know there's a lot more answers than one, but what's the solution? And I had the exact same, like, when I discovered this whole, like, non-diet approach kind of intuitive thing, I was like, I know this is what I need to do because I'm going batshit crazy otherwise. You're batshit crazy all the time. Yeah, true. But I was like, but how on earth? And it's about not, I'm going to say retraining, but it's not. It's about getting back in touch with your appetite and who you are as a person and also reducing the amount of weight that you give to that elusive body or that elusive lifestyle that you think is going to make your life how you've always wanted it. If you drop the weight, what you consider that to be or how good you consider that to be, you're not going to give a shit about it and you're only going to be happier for it. And that's so true, but it's so hard to Exactly. And it's so hard hard and it's so hard to, I guess, train or go through that and get yourself to that point it takes time but 
I guess everything that we do at Virtus is about taking that harder route yep. to get better and more sustainable and happy results. Harder choices, easy life, isn't it? That's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> no, I stole that from Tim Ferriss' podcast okay. the other day. It was, <laughs> it was it's on the wall. easy choices, hard life. Hard choices, easy life. That's exactly and right. It's and it's persistence, but persistence for something that is truly going to suit you better in the long run. It gets us out of that instant gratification mindset That's where, exactly hey, right. if, I, if I deadlift 210 kilos, I'm going to be happy. Yeah. If, if I lose 10 kilos, I'm going to be happy. Mm-hmm. Need to find that happiness. And, and the thing uh, is, when you get to that point and you're not happy, where do you find your happiness then? Like 215 kilos. Yeah, and yeah. you just keep going for 100 kilos. And that's what the dieting industry feeds off. It feeds off people's insecurities for not being happy with themselves. It's like, it's a $66 billion industry. That's a lot of billions. They do not care that, you know, I was saying this to Locke and Maddie before, like 95% of people in five years time after starting a diet will have stopped the diet. Will have regained weight. So, mm-hmm. and the the dieting industry. When I say dieting industry, I'm talking about anyone that's selling you an eating restrictive eating pattern. Okay, that that is what a diet is. And unfortunately, the dieting industry isn't. Well, the reason that the dieting industry is so bad is because it's not people that know what they're talking about. It's someone who may have done a crash course in nutrition or just everyone knows about food. That's a thing, and everyone thinks that they have something to contribute, which they do. We all eat. Yes. <laughs> People feeding the wrong facts and yeah. the quick facts that are going to make a quick difference and change your life. They're the ones that people might want. be suited to and one person, but the next person has that little yes. aspect in their lifestyle that doesn't make that diet mm-hmm. work for them. And then when someone like me comes in with a way that can actually help a client or mm-hmm. with a different perspective, that isn't going to give them the overnight change, but it's going to give them changes that work and are sustainable and are going to make a difference to their health across their whole lifespan. And they're like, oh no. Wait, so you're telling me it's going to be hard? It's going to take a long yeah. time? It's yeah, going it to is. take commitment and dedication? Yeah, I'm going to tell you that you can still have a slice of cake. So, yeah. Yeah. You can have your cake for guys. Too. Yeah. With, <laughs> with Maddie Borg. Yeah. <laughs> 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 she makes She makes good. <laughs> all right. This is a. So, obviously, at the moment, everything's a little convoluted and all over the shop. Mm-hmm. I'm an eternal optimist. Where do you guys see this going in the next 10, 15, 20 years? Hopefully we can work, because it's not just a dietitian shop and it's not just your job as a performance coach. It's everyone's job and it's a really hard thing to get everyone on board for this. Like it's not going to happen overnight. It is a society issue. Oh, it is a society issue. And that's the issue. Our diet culture is toxic. It is so toxic. And it sucks everyone in. As Katie just said, it's like, a multi-billion dollar money-making industry. Like, mm. these people don't actually care about your health. They don't have they ownership. They the money that they can get, like, yeah. from their detox tea or their 10-week meal program that they sell you for 15 bucks, but they're selling hundreds and thousands of them exactly the same to so many different people. That just shows that they don't care because it's not individualised. They don't know you. They just want your money. And it's just so hard to, to break that cycle. Mm-hmm. But as a society, we need to change the way that we're talking about food and feeling about food and thinking about food and just relating with food because otherwise we can't overcome this. Like, yeah, so I, our eyes are open to it. Um, I feel like I'm seeing more people shifting in that direction, but I don't know if it's because I choose what I see. So, Lockie, do you feel like you've seen more of a shift towards <coughs> the lifestyle 
Yeah, to a point. I, yeah. I, That's, I, mean, I guess we're, we're in an echo chamber, though. So we like we spend all day, every day at Virtus. That's what I mean, yeah. With, with I guess, like a like-minded team. Mm-hmm. like Our team, everyone's on the same same page. Um, I follow the Instagram pages and the, I read the research articles and I follow the Facebook pages of the people that I want to listen to. So there's a good chance you roll across down the road to another gym that they're going to be following a completely different different method and they, they're going to be sponsored by supplement companies and they're going to be on six-week meal preps and, and meal plans and 12-week shreds and all, all that kind of thing. So I like to think that it's changing and that it's going to get better. Um, and I guess to steal a, a line from Greg, how do you make the world a better place? One person at a time. Yeah. yeah. It's just a matter of educating the people that we are in direct contact with yeah. and hopefully the people that no, they're in direct so contact true. with and it just gets yeah. bigger and bigger from there. I'm sure... Um, you've probably discovered this. Like I could be in a cafe on my own with no one there that I know. And I can overhear diet talk like two tables down. And I just sit there and I listen to it and I listen to what these women are saying. And I'm sorry to be biased. There is a lot of sexist. Yeah. But it's 2017. So much pressure on, um, women to diet. Like the pressure is higher on women. It is, it is like, obviously, men deal with it as well i was speaking to someone today who has struggled with it before in his lifetime um but the conversations that you hear you, it's everywhere yep. once it's it's like once the the black mask has been like taken off it's just your eyes are open and it's actually really concerning and, and sometimes i just want to turn around and be like there is another way like yeah. you don't have to do well, that like, seventh or eighth diet like yeah. we were talking about the other day how you can't read a magazine these days without yes. being I miss that. magazines before my eyes <laughs> <laughs> Because every second page is um, this time of year, how to get food in winter so that you're ready for your summer bod. Like the newspaper on Sunday, the, the takeout that was, it was directly aimed at women and the first page was a detox diet. Mm. And it's like, this is what we are giving to people every single day like yeah. how do we expect the culture to go away like, have the life you've always it. wanted by doing yes. this detox yeah. diet have the life you've always wanted by yeah. you know and and what's really sad is people put their lives on hold until they get that elusive diet like mm. i've heard of people you know not going to the beach because they're like no i'll, I'll go to the beach when i finally <laughs> yeah. lose that weight and it's like something so simple and relaxing and calming as going to the beach yeah can they be taken away. Taken away just because of how society looks at, mm-hmm. you know, bigger bodied people or quite frankly, people who aren't bigger bodied, but they're so stuck in that dieting mindset that they put their life on hold. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they won't go for that job until they've lost that weight. Or, yep. you know, when I when I finally lose those two, two to three kilos, then I'll be able to buy that dress. Yeah, because every one of those goals is based around looks and exactly. weight and things like that. If we started following a more health-based approach, then everything... Your world opens up. Exactly. Every, everything starts... You become more functional. You're able to walk every day. You're able to mm-hmm. have more energy when you're playing with kids. When and that, that comes back to like the all-or-nothing approach. You know, People stop doing simple things like just moving or walking because they're like, oh, no, I'll start next week when I go on that 12-week challenge, which is you know a boot camp five days a week and a restrictive diet. They stop the 12-week challenge, they stop everything because it's, yeah. it's like a swinging pendulum, do you know what I mean? Like it's, mm-hmm. oh, yep, I'm all right, I'm on the, I'm on the bandwagon, quote, unquote. Yeah. 
once they're off it, they don't even yeah. do the simple things, which is so good for promoting health, like just adding more veggies into your yeah. diet or going for a walk. Or One of my favorite, not favorite, but things I just I can't comprehend with that kind of stuff is so, oh yeah, I'm starting a 10 week challenge tomorrow and I've got five packs of cake and six boxes of chocolates. I'm just going to eat it all tonight so that it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> it's not there anymore. And what if you just ate it? There is nothing once wrong with that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh shit, I was only one bag of potato chips because I ate it so fast. Like, it yeah. doesn't work like that. You're still eating the it's same still, amount of food. And it's still fostering that <coughs> exactly. diet, non diet yeah. attitude. Yeah. Yeah, and, and there's no reason why we can't enjoy, you know, KFC once every while. There's no reason why we can't enjoy yeah. a Milo Pulsey that one's for you. It doesn't make you a bad person. Hot chips and gravy, mon, it's okay. Yeah. Go nuts. Yes. Um, there's, it's there's, like a bridge, high bridge. Told me she had a Nutella sandwich yesterday, and I was like, "Yes, mm-hmm. I totally want to go home and do that right now." Mm-hmm. And I enjoy when people say things like that, like about pleasurable foods, because to be honest, there is shame in this society about oh. eating those pleasurable foods. People keep it a secret, like it's something, mm-hmm. like they're a bad human if they eat KFC. You uh, know, Tom Curtis is a bad human. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we. Ask the Virtus family, which is our, I guess, group of people that come into the gym and our humans. Our, they're our humans. They're they're our community. Um, we asked them a bunch of questions to talk about. Where there were a lot, uh, we don't unfortunately don't have enough time to go over all of them, but we are definitely going to knock over a couple. One of one of which was, how do you guys keep your motivation with food and exercise? Do you want me to go? Okay. Um, was this KP? I can't remember. Yeah, I, didn't I think this was KP, yeah. Love All that. right. So um, one thing I've learnt over the years is it's really simple, but I'll put it in technical terms so it makes sense or sounds more fancy. Yep. But obviously finding stuff that you enjoy. Okay. Mm-hmm. So no one is going to stick to their exercise program if it is running 5Ks a week, three times a week when they – can't even run two and they... They hate running. They hate running, okay? You can find other ways to challenge your cardiovascular system without doing stuff you don't enjoy. Yeah. So when we talk about motivation, there's two (laughs) different types or two main types. There's intrinsic motivation and there's extrinsic motivation, all right? So intrinsic motivation, like we say, is enjoyment or... um, How you feel when you do it. Fulfillment when you do it. Um, You know, a lot of people at the Virtus family, they love the environment. So they, you know, they love the environment and they love the the social support that they get. So that's that's an intrinsic motivator as well because that's how it makes them feel. Um, Or it might be a goal that they genuinely enjoy achieving that goal. So, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and counting the small steps on the way. All right? So with motivation... Um, us at Virtus, we try to make small goals because the small goals that you achieve on the way it instantly gives you positive feedback, yeah. improves your like self-efficacy. You go, oh my god, that felt awesome, and you keep going. You don't get deterred by not achieving that goal that would realistically take someone four months yeah. by getting your hopes up to try and achieve it in a month. When we talk about extrinsic motivation, this is the superficial stuff. So this is what you look like to other people. This is because someone else wants you to do it. So, you know, someone, I don't know, you might play sport in a team and someone's like telling you to do something. You really don't want to do it. That decreases your control over the situation. So therefore you're going to have low motivation. Um, 
Seeing photos on Instagram. Yeah. Seeing magazine covers. Yeah. The, yeah. That is extrinsic motivation. That's other people influencing what you want to do. So what I would do to improve your motivation is revisit those intrinsic things, write down why you do it and what it means to you, yep. and then make small achievable goals on the way to achieve those. That is the best way to keep going. Um, and it's the best way, I guess, to ensure that you're going to keep doing it because you're not going to do something if you hate it. <laughs> That's true. You're That's not going to do it. And if your only driver is weight loss, guess what? You're going to get deterred at some point. You're going to get disappointed. Yeah. And it's not going to last because it's not a meaningful, intrinsic thing. That motivation, like anything, is going to ebb and flow and you can have good exactly. days and bad days. Peace and you've and got to find the little things that get you up and about. And the thing with that is when you do have a quote-unquote bad day, you haven't dropped the ball. Like, yeah. You that is life. Like, I posted about this a couple of weeks ago. One bad day doesn't mean that everything else has been written off. It doesn't undo the 21 good days that you've had before that or the mm-hmm. five good days that you've had before that. It's just a little bump in the road and we can keep going and it doesn't mean that everything's fallen apart and you just have to stop and start again. Like, just keep going. Yeah. It's I- not... Reduce the guilt yes. on yourself. Yeah. Like have a bit of self-compassion with those days. Yeah. yeah. I use the iPhone screen analogy. If you have a little crack in your iPhone screen, that's a bad day. But mm. the next day, if you smash it again, smash it again, smash it again, you're going to end up with a smashed iPhone screen. So yeah. that's when you've got to look at that little scratch. We take note of it. Move we on. are aware of it. And then we move on. And then yeah. we look to the next thing. On, on, on Moving on from that question, fairly similar question. How do you guys go about not comparing yourself to others? Because I guess that's something that leads to leads people down that bad or that yeah. that negative path around it. How do you guys go about doing that? What advice would you have? Um, okay, so I think I mentioned this before. Um, is if if something's not serving you well, so that that could be you comparing yourself to Betty down the road that has all the money or or you know, Cindy who has a six pack and whatever. I mean, these are things that people typically, you know, with this like social media thing, typically compare themselves to. Um, You need to stop weighing that so heavily in your life. That's step one, I think. So Mm -hmm. if you don't think those things are important, you're not going to compare yourself to them. You're not going to, you're not going to think, oh, I want to be there. I want to be there. Um, that's one thing I, I would do. Um, and next thing is have self-compassion. So I talk about this a fair bit. Um, you know, like be patient with yourself because you don't have to have the perfect life or the perfect exercise regime because nobody does. Every single person like on this planet has something that someone else wishes that they had. Everyone's fighting their own, their own battle. Exactly. Um, you know, you might go, oh, but I, I, this person's never going to want what that person has. Well, that person might, you know, have a really natural ability to get along with everyone. Yeah. Someone might look at that person and go, God, I wish I was like that. And, um, you know, and that goes the same as all the super, superficial things that people usually compare themselves to, which is like looks, money, job, all that sort of thing. Everyone's battling their own battles. Um, and what I encourage people to do because social media becomes a lot of a big problem in this is to do a bit of a cull. So <laughs> if, if you have fitness models, if you have rich people or things that, that make you feel like shit, cut that shit off, get rid of it, cull it out. Like if it's not helping you as a person, why would you follow it? Yeah. 
So I would cull them out. Good, very good. Yeah, and then I would reconsider what you value and what things in your life that you are thankful for. Yeah. 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 The thing I've just written down is what is your why? So why do you, why do you feel like that? And why yeah. do you want to do – why do you want to get to that? And yeah. values as well. Values is – you figure out your values, you figure out what you stand for and what you want to work towards and everything else kind of falls into line. Mm-hmm. Next one, should we have a tax for sugary foods – and fast foods. Yes. 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 No. <laughs> you go first. Alright. <clears throat> For me, as soon as you hit 16, 18, you should be considered an, considered an adult. You should be able to make your own decisions, whether that's a that's a positive decision for you or a negative decision for you. If it's a decision that affects other people in a negative way then you shouldn't be then that decision should be out of your hands as or as far as I, I, I see but as far as this goes if someone wants to eat sugary food someone wants to eat bad food someone wants to smoke cigarettes someone wants to do heroin I don't care let them make their own decisions because they're the ones they're adults they've got to live with the consequences if if we sit there and I guess nanny state it for lack of a better term and tell people that they can't do this, they can't do this, they can't do this, they can't do this. We've spoken about it for the last half an hour or so. It's exactly what people want to do. So if it costs me an extra five bucks to get a cheeseburger, then I'm probably still going to get a cheeseburger. Mm -hmm. But if it costs the same and we look at positive ways of looking at it rather than taxing those things, let's subsidize some organic food or some fresh produce or something along those lines where we can actually look for a positive change rather than just knocking down that negative those negative connotations around it that is a question are they going to drop the price of healthy foods at the same time as doing this is this actually a thing i must i live under a rock it's a thing in the uk okay and they've been talking about it yeah they got it passed in the 2017 bill as of 2018 there would be a tax on sugary and junk foods in the UK and at the moment Jamie is trying to encourage this to be um, recommitted in the next bill Um, and with our whole election going on like I was reading some of the stuff this morning like all the different goals that he wants them to set and meet and targets and things like that I get what you're saying about if people want to do it they're going to do it and I 100% agree with that I guess it's kind of deterring people because at the moment as horrible as, as it is to say, sometimes it is cheaper to eat unhealthy food. That's that's why I asked, are they going to decrease? I haven't heard that they are. So there's a lot of literature to show that people will, some families, it's just, it's more economical for them to go out and buy a family box of McDonald's. And I know that this isn't going to curb that issue and take it away and yeah. things like that. But it's, I think it's, it's something that could be a step in the right direction. I don't know, like, there's talk of different um, levies that they're going to put on, like, the percentage changes and da da da, da. Obviously, it's not, it's not in motion enough at the moment for them to have something set in concrete. Yeah. But I was reading a paper this morning, and some of the, the facts just, like, blew me away. And obviously, these are all estimates, but from some of the predictions that they've been able to do in putting a levy on junk food... It's estimated that new diagnoses of type 2 diabetes will be decreased by 800 people per year. Um, and that it will cause about 4,500 fewer cases of cardiovascular disease 
and a lot of money. If it achieves what they say it's going to achieve. Yeah, if it achieves. So, yeah, this is all, like, this is big ifs and... There's so much that comes into that, though, because... There's so many other factors to consider. After smoking, physical inactivity is, like, one of the number one causes of cardiovascular disease. So, how do they... Yeah, I know, and there are you know so I mean? many ifs, buts, maybes, like there's so many other factors that contribute yeah. to these diseases, but they have found a causal link and... Yeah, I understand it, it can just, it, I think it seems like a, a band-aid in some yes. respects. The other thing though is when they they put this tax on it, the money that they are raising, the revenue that they are gaining from this, it needs to be used in the right places. Correct. And yeah, it's going to be the Put it back thing. into healthy it needs to go back options into or nutrition it needs to go into options. Promoting healthier foods and things like that and that's going to be that's the thing that i'm most scared about because if the government just gets greedy and takes this money and puts it into whatever the hell they want to put it into like it's the cause is lost like yep. it's not i think the thing in my head it's not about charging more for these foods hopefully that will incidentally def- deter people from having them as much but it is the benefit that this money could be used if used in the right way like back into the health system and to promote healthy eating programs and be used for education and things like that, that is where I think this could be the most beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's a big – it's kind of a big weight to see, I guess. Yeah. Because there are – so really, many variables. Yeah, you've, what you said was so right. Like, people it's, – it's their choice. And we've seen with the smoking tax, like – if people want to smoke, they're still going to smoke. Like, Correct. and that's at the end of the day, that is their choice, and it's taken. This is this is just a there. sugar tax here. It's not a junk food tax. In the UK, it's a junk food tax. In Australia, I think they are just focusing on a sugar tax. Because, but, correct me if I'm wrong, because um, I feel like I hear things and then I memorize them and I don't know where I got them from. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, there has been some information. I say it anyway that sugar isn't actually the highest nutrient that some people who do struggle with obesity are eating it it actually is a lot of fat that they are consuming as well so I wonder how they separate that from high fat high protein foods Um, Australians do have a really high protein diet Um, and also is it demonizing sugar yeah like what we've been speaking about like is it is it making sugar the, the, the devil like what we've been speaking yeah. about and and you know giving that unbalanced relationship where people go oh it's bad so you know I'll just eat it for a whole day and then tomorrow I'll stop and it continues that cycle yeah. that's what I wonder I guess one, as all the the sugar documentaries that have come out in the I've last few years one of them have told us yeah. fat was the enemy for so long and now like they I guess they cry like they cry they they argue about fat being the enemy for so long and they've just turned it on sugar mm-hmm. and now people go oh sugar's bad for you in, in every money. single they, form they can now get money off sugar correct Do you want to know what correct. people are still going to be fat and that's okay like uh, i one thing that i've learned is shaming fat people does not make them eat healthy oh, yeah. and lose weight so Maybe that I don't know. The conversation needs to change in in general, and um, sugar is not the only problem. People aren't moving as much. People are eating more, and people have more access to foods and and those nourishing um, not nourishing sorry pleasurable foods. Yep. People eat more of them. Yeah. If they <clears throat> cut out, you know, fat is not just because of food. Like we know that yeah. so much, and fat is such again another word that I don't like because 
you can have a bigger body and be healthy. Mm-hmm. You can have a, a tiny body that people would think is fit and skinny and whatever other words they want to They might have health problems. They can have so many health issues that you don't realise and that they don't realise. And I get the, the connection, but like, obviously I'm at uni, they talk about statistics all the time. I totally understand the connection <laughs> between obesity and metabolic disease yes. and obesity and heart disease, but you can actually change those metabolic factors and... Um, cardiovascular factors that make them have those diseases such as heart uh, blood pressure heart rate um, you know triglycerides cholesterol you can change all those without weight loss yes. and one way to change it is exercise or without drastic weight loss that they yes that, that they won't maintain in the yeah. first place one of those ways is regular exercise just get up and walk it's a, it's a pill it's basically the best medication you can find um, I sound like a real exercise physiologist right now <laughs> um, and and just adding more nutritious foods in. If you tell them to cut them out, they're not going to do it. If you tell them, you know what, just add more veggies each day. What are they very, do? very, very good. Why do people binge eat? And why, what's the, I guess, the, the psychological reason for binge eating? Um, okay, do you want to go first? I, can, yeah. I feel like we're both yeah. going to want to, we're both going to talk yeah. a bit about this. It's not, it's like a lot of things with this kind of stuff. There's no, one answer it's not one size fits all there's not mm. I can't give a a perfect statement as yeah. to how we can fix this or how people control it or anything like that but essentially binge eating is often emotional eating and we find comfort in food like we do people enjoy food and often it is the foods that we enjoy the most that can are what people would label as a bad food, which I'm all for a piece of cake and all of that. Like, I don't like labeling foods as good as bad, good or bad, but that's the kind of connotation that they have. And when we think about being eating, these are the kind of foods that we think of. And one of the big things with that, as I just said, is it comes down to emotional eating. And emotional eating is that kind of hunger that you get, and it just comes on suddenly, and you're only hungry for. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to use chocolate as the devil, but you've all you want to eat is a piece of chocolate and it just comes on in an instant and that one piece of chocolate doesn't satisfy and you need some more and you need some more and then all of a sudden you've eaten two boxes of chocolate and you don't know, you don't even remember Do you feel it. better? Do you feel better or do you still want more? And if you still want more, I hate myself. that's yeah. crazy and that's, yeah. that's not physical yeah. And one of the big things that it comes down to identifying that's really, really tough, like we're always going to be struggling with this and some people are really good at it and others just like I struggle to get my head around it. Identifying when the hunger is emotional and when you are actually just physically hungry. And as I just said, like an emotional hunger comes on like that. Like it's just there and it is for one or two particular things and nothing else is going to curb that craving. And yeah, I think what you said about like the like, I think a lot of people say, like, I've heard people ask me, why, when I am binging or when I'm emotional, why do I crave those high-energy foods? And, like, the simple answer is, like, when you eat particularly energy-dense foods or, like, high-sugar foods, it gives you, like, a – it's – I think they call it, like, a post-ingestive positive feedback. Yeah, I think that's rush. Yeah. And over time – so, binging is essentially a habit, right? Yeah. All habits are a process within the brain. Mm-hmm. 
all habits are a neural pathway that's been formed and you connect behaviors together. So if you don't know how to deal with your emotions um, and you pair that with eating to relieve those emotions, that neural pathway gets strengthened every single time you do it. So like you said, Maddie, when you come home or whatever and you, you're feeling emotional and you get that intense rush of I, I need to eat this certain food. That's that's something that's in your pathway in your brain telling you, all right, this is the behavior that we do when this particular emotion arises. Yep. Um, and and we're going to continue to do that. And every time you do it, it gets stronger. Yeah. And what I usually ask people is um, a couple of things like, is it emotional? Is it because you've been restricting mm-hmm. the foods? Like I know when I used to restrict foods when I was a teenager, binging was like my best friend. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's a, a massive driver. And I think you wrote this is another one of Maddie's like quotes on the whiteboard um, about sitting. We have a big yeah, we have a big whiteboard. Um, <laughs> sitting there for ten minutes. Yeah. So being mindful. So that's yeah. what I was gonna talk about. Um, in we're not as Kenny said these these thought patterns and. The need to have these foods and we just strengthen these neurological pathways of the reward and then it just gets stronger and stronger and stronger so it's, it's hard to break i'm not going to joke about that i've actually spoken to quite a few of my clients about my own experience of i'll go sit down on the couch it doesn't matter if i've just eaten a massive dinner or i'm not hungry at all i know that i'm not hungry but the moment that i sit down on the couch and turn to be on i want something to eat hmm. i want have some it. chips yeah or I want some and it's a pairing something it is it is that just that mm. environment that I'm in and I know that I'm not hungry but I have to fight so hard not to get up and go to the pantry and I don't win all of the time and that's the thing no one is immune to this just because we're in this space and I talk about this all the time and I know it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen to me and I think that's a big thing to remind everyone like you are not alone this happens to everyone we just need to talk about it and we need to work with ways that are going to help you overcome it because what I am about to say might not help everyone and I'm struggling with it and you have good days and you have bad days, but it's trying to recognize, am I really hungry? Mm. Think about that hunger, let it go away. And then in five minutes, are you still actually hungry? Could you stop thinking about that for a little while? Or was it just this grumbling in your stomach the whole time? Mm-hmm. And quite often, if you can, if you can wait it out, you'll find that, oh, I actually got on with something else and I'm not. Yeah. And it was just a craving, and it does take time. It's not going to be. It's not. I'm just going to stop. Yeah, and it goes away. I had but I had um a dietitian tell me once to um if the if you recognise that no you're not hungry but you still want to eat that food just go eat it somewhere else change your surroundings enjoy <laughs> the food so you're not restricting it yeah. you're not going oh my yeah. god I can't eat this unless you know but change your surroundings yeah. change your environment because like you said I remember when I used to sit. Well, I still do something sometimes. I sit in, in bed and then I'm like, all right, it's chocolate time. Because it's a habit. It's yeah. like a pathway. And it's Brad was his nickname. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I about to say? It's, it's about, it's about re- rewiring yeah. or rewiring, reprogramming that software loop. Yeah. Do we, do we... And that's I right. was saying, like, go eat the food and enjoy it. Mm. Often with binge eating, you get to a packet of chips and you don't even realize that they're gone like you put your hand back in the bag and you can't believe that they're gone because we just eat and we don't think about it and we're not mindful of what 
we're actually yeah. doing. We need to connect that we mindfulness need to connect, like, back to sit down back and to eat food. a packet of chips and enjoy it. Enjoy the yeah. shit out of it. Enjoy it. <laughs> as lame as it sounds, put the potato in your mouth and think about the texture of it and how salty it is and how it feels when you put it in your mouth and how it feels when you crunch it. And take two seconds to think about how good that one chip felt and then get it up. Yeah. Not only with the bag so last you a lot longer, but you will have enjoyed it. And we're we're just connecting them. Like it's not just a mindless action mm. of eating food because our emotions tell us to and not being aware that we're doing it. It's all about yeah, connecting and being aware and being mindful and thinking about the hunger and feeling yep. the craving. And then if you need to still have that food, thinking about it while you're doing it. Stop, so take a breath, true. think about it. Make a decision. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Do you need to go? No, I've changed it. Hey, awesome. Next one. Why do we get bloated before our meals, after meals, late at night? Very broad question, I know. Yeah, but really broad question. Um, again, you guys may get really sick of me saying this, but there's no one answer. I think that's a big thing. Everything that I, I, I say has to be evidence-based and... I can't offer you guys a quick fix. I'll get my accreditation taken off me very quickly if I do that. So, um, why we get bloated, it differs for every single person. One food will make me really bloated and not affect Katie and might affect Lockie and then what Katie eats, I can eat and have no problem. Like, we're all really different and what goes on inside us and with our gut and our GIT is just completely different for every person and the way we react to foods and the way our emotions are, which affects the way that we react to foods and our body stores foods. It's just also different. Obviously, there are some culprits that we refer to quite a lot. Like some people will have an issue with dairy or with gluten, um, fructose and FODMAPs and things like that. There are culprits that we can refer to a lot. But it's the way that our body reacts to these foods individually that, causes these issues. I'm actually reading a book at the moment um, called Gut and I'm a little bit obsessed with it and once I finish getting through it I will leave it I'll borrow up it. And I, after Katie's read as well. Um, I'll leave it up in my office at Letters if anyone would like to come and have a read because it's a really good kind of anecdotal a bit light-hearted but there's facts and it, it explains a lot of what's going on inside us and it talks a little bit about why different foods can cause us to bloat and the different things that are going on when this happens and it's essentially the way that our body is fermenting and processing these foods and sometimes that just causes more gases to be released in our stomach and that's when you get that kind of bloated feeling and it can come from a small meal because there's a certain food present but it can also come because we've just eaten too much like we eat a lot mm-hmm. um, as a society as Katie was saying before we've lost our kind of intuition with our appetite and our hunger cues and things like that and we sometimes just can't stop eating we just mm-hmm. keep going and keep eating because there's food on your plate and and so hard to pinpoint what foods would be making you bloated yeah. like you really need to see a dietitian like maddie or yeah. get the appropriate screenings and like one done. food will make you bloat one day that might cause yes. reaction the next yeah. day and again it's to that do totally with, happens to me yeah, yeah it's confusing your stress like there's a massive link between our gut and our brain and there's so much evidence coming up about that at the moment and there's still so much to learn about it but literally the way that we feel affects the way that our bodies react and yeah handle different foods at any given time so 
I can't give you an answer as to what food will make you float or what will stop you from floating because it's something that you have to work with on an individual level and it would be a matter of writing out a food diary and looking at the symptoms and you guys can do this like write down what you're having and when the symptoms come on what kind of symptoms you get how long they last see if you can find a pattern and yeah you have to look for a pattern because as I said what what will cause bleeding one day won't cause bleeding another day and it's looking at how long the symptoms last and what eases them and what you can do to control it. Like it might be that usually after you have a big lunch, you go for a walk and that will help move along your digestion. But yesterday you ate a massive lunch and then you sat down on the couch and your food can just sit there and that will cause you to bloat because there's just food sitting inside you. Like all these organs that we have that digest our food are a certain size and they're designed to stretch when food goes inside them. When we put lots of food in them, they're going to stretch more. Like your stomach, people say it quite a lot, and a lot of people go, no, it's not really that small, but your stomach is like the size of your fist. Yeah. Mm. And if you look at the, the food on you your plate, like can you imagine that whole steak and all those veggies yeah. and that salad and those chips fitting inside your fist? And like, all the bacteria and the bacteria is farting and it's creating gas. Yeah. And, <laughs> and like it's going to stretch, like that's what it's naturally there to do, but you're stretching it a lot. Like it's got to go somewhere, so it's got to distend your abdomen. Like this. it's just. A physical, yeah, it has to happen. So I'm sorry that I don't have an answer to give you about that. Come and see me, and I can touch you about it personally. Right. But yeah, there's no Plug. quick fix to that. <laughs> there's so we had we had a lot of we had a lot of questions about specific diets and specific eating pat eating patterns and specific things to cut out and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, that's not like that's why we did this podcast because we want to talk about the better ways of doing it obviously a lot of people will have food intolerances and people will have allergies and things of that, that nature how do we figure out what we're allergic to and what our body doesn't like um allergies is a big one that we can't self-diagnose like an allergy is literally your immune system being involved in reacting to the food it's, we've become a society that we will quickly say, oh yeah, I've got an allergy to gluten or I've got an allergy to dairy. And the thing that makes me most angry about this is that there are people that actually have diagnosed allergies and they have an immune response to these foods that can quite literally kill them. And we're kind of just like, oh, everyone's got a gluten allergy now. So... Mm-hmm. And those people are probably wishing they so badly could just yes. have like a donut yes. or something. And they, or like beer. Yeah, or like, and they yeah. can't. They can't. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, there are four things. Gluten intolerances, and an intolerance is not, it does not involve your immune system. It causes discomfort when you eat food because your stomach or your body has a, a not so great reaction to the food. I'm not discrediting intolerances. They exist, they are there, they are real things as well. But they're not as severe as an allergy. So we, as a society, we really need to be careful about how we use those words because they're not interchangeable. Um, In terms of working out whether you've got an allergy or an intolerance, an allergy needs to be diagnosed through multiple tests by a specialist. For um, a gluten intolerance, that involves colonoscopies, gastroscopies, um, sometimes a blood test, but these little skin prick tests that getting done ever at the moment it won't diagnose a gluten intolerance and sometimes these will give people misinformation and that's one of the reasons why there are so many people walking around at the moment who think they have a diagnosed allergy because there's so many incorrect ways of diagnosing it another whole other thing to talk about again but in terms of an intolerance 
it's something again looking at the patterns of your reactions and your um the side effects that you get from eating certain foods and pinpointing what the food is because people say that they get bloated from a piece of bread and so instantly yeah i am allergic to gluten but they never get a reaction to wheat fix or crackers mm. or beer and guys these all have gluten in them yeah <laughs> gluten is not solely in bread gluten is yeah. in wheat and probably things you wouldn't even realize yeah, yeah. and in so many different sources and things like that that just because you have a reaction to the bread doesn't mean you have a gluten intolerance and i think it's just it's become a thing where people want to have an intolerance because it gives them a reason not to eat that food it gives them a reason to cut out a food group that they label as bad mm-hmm. and gluten is one of those ones because we have such a bad a bad thought towards carbs yeah and this is again going off tangent and and making some it relates back to the diet culture though, yeah, it? it relates back to the diet culture and it gives people a reason to cut foods out we all want an answer. We all want to. Yeah. This is what's wrong with me. Or we all Life want to isn't play. Simple. Exactly. We no, all want to yeah. play the victim and say, "Oh, this is the simple answer of this. What's wrong? This is what. This is what's wrong with me." But at the end of the day, there's so many different variables mm-hmm. and so many different things. And I guess we'll talk about this probably on another podcast about gut health and, and gut flora and fauna. But that can be different day in day out, oh, and yeah. depending on what you've eaten and oh, how stressed you are. And webinar yesterday, and it was about um, increasing the amount of fruit and veg we have each day and just quite humbly as a nation we are so poor at that like it's amazing how many people are not even meeting two steps of bed each day and they were showing studies and like really solid findings to show that just within 24 hours by increasing our fruit and veg intake we can change our microbiota and that just goes to show that one period of eating more fruit and veg or changing the way that we eat in one day can significantly affect the way that our body works and what's going on in our gut and what's going on in our gut affects the way that we react to food. So there's so much more going on every day that influences what we could think is an intolerance. So it's not just a quick, oh yeah, today I bloated and today I um, felt uncomfortable after having a coffee so I'm allergic to dairy. Like it's, it can't be, it's not a quick fix, it's not a quick diagnosis and there's so much more to it than just identifying the food good very very good so we don't sit here talking all day we're going to wrap it up but i want to at the end of every podcast i'm going to ask whoever my guest is five questions and ask for five favorite things so first question for you two maddie first what's the nicest thing you've ever done for someone that's a hard one and i'm throwing you straight under the bus because i haven't told you what these questions are i know yeah classic walkie all right What the nice thing I've ever done for anyone? Pick one. Um, I surprised Brooke with a birthday cake on Sunday. Oh, that's cute. That was delicious cake too. Um, I threw a surprise thirtieth birthday for my partner, Nick Bradley. Uh huh. Yeah. Chocolates. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Katie, if you could give teenage you one piece of advice, what would it be? And it can be to do with food or anything. Um, I'll do a couple of, yeah, I'll do food cause we're on the topic. So first would be thinking about what you eat and how you look every second of the day is not normal. Second would be if you eat healthy, it doesn't make you a better person. If you eat quote unquote unhealthy, it doesn't make you a bad person. Um, and just be kinder to yourself. Yeah. 
Good. Maddie? Um, just because someone else is cutting out a certain food or a food group or a nutrient, and for whatever reason that may be, it doesn't mean that you need to do it as well. And I've personally been, been there and done that because someone else is cutting something out. I was like, oh, yeah, that's working for them and they look good and they feel good, so I'm going to do that. And that's not the way that it works. So reminding myself that what works for one person doesn't work for another and just because they're doing it doesn't mean that you need to do it. Enjoy food. Keep enjoying food all the time. And do not use food as a punishment or a reward. Just enjoy it. Food is just food. Good. What was the last book you read, start to finish, and what was the main teaching point you got from it? The last book that I read, start to finish, was not an educational book. <laughs> Doesn't matter. People what, might want to read it. What did you learn um, from it? I can't even remember what it was. It would have been a long time ago that I read a book start to finish. Um, I think I remembered how much I liked reading. I just genuinely Good. cannot tell you what it was. It's okay. It was over summer. I read a heap of books because I was finally free from reading. <coughs> Didn't no, I know it's the best bit ever. Read stuff like that. But I'm reading that at the moment and I love it. Awesome. Sweet. So next podcast you can tell us what you, yeah. what you learned from it. Mm-hmm. Katie. Um, M-Body, E-M-B-O-D-Y by Connie yes, Sozak. Yeah. I don't know if I'm pronouncing her last name right, so. I'm sure she probably won't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, was, what was your main teaching point that you learned from it? Um, probably, well, it's actually reinforces a lot of what we were talking about today. So stop weighing um, superficial things so heavily like yeah. in your life. So stop weighing how looks and um, stuff like that so heavily, which, yeah, I already kind of knew, but it was just a really good... Just nailed it down again. Yeah, yeah. Good. Awesome. Who in your field or outside your field are you interested in reading about and who do you look for when you want new information? Katie Ding. <laughs> um, in my field, as in like... Inside or outside your field. So it doesn't necessarily have to be coaching or performance coaching. Where do you go, okay. go for new Well, this ties into the question about not comparing yourself and stuff like that. Um, yep. Breen Brown. Everyone should watch her TED Talk for a start, then buy a book. Um, I'll yeah. leave that one in the office as well when I get through that. Yeah, it just <laughs> teaches you a lot about um, just being like a happier human and yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, I'm very lucky to have tied down almost Fiona Sutherland as my mentor in my first year as an APD and she's really big in the mindful eating space. Um, so I'm looking forward to learning a lot from her this year and hopefully being able to enhance my skills as a dietitian in this space. To better help all of you. Hopefully, I'll have some more interesting stuff. Or, awesome. Yeah. Cool. Tell us something about yourself that nobody knows. Um, <laughs> no one here will know. I'm absolutely petrified of birds. <laughs> like, you should not have told yeah, me no. that. <laughs> <laughs> like, like big birds, little birds? birds Just birds. Birds. Swooping birds. Because I couldn't map out all the route where I didn't know I would get swooped. That's elite. And I'm actually at the moment like. That's incredible. It's okay to go for a walk or a run at the moment because it's not swooping season. Give me a couple more months and I I won't go for a walk. Treadmill. Yeah. Like I, we have a plover that lives on our garage roof and he's evil. He comes back (laughs) around August, 
every year and I some days cannot get to my car. It's the best story I'm ever. so worried. Like, yeah. <laughs> Katie? Um, oh, I've been asked this question so many times and I never have an answer because yeah. I just blurt everything about myself to everyone. Um, <laughs> um, maybe the listeners... My, I was a, I did hairdressing for a year. Did you? Yeah. I didn't know that. Didn't you? Awesome. Yeah, I did hairdressing for a year. Didn't like it, obviously. <laughs> anyway, yeah. 16. Just thought I'd give it a crack. Play on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So first thing that comes into your head, I'm going to ask you five things. What are your five yeah. favorite things? All right. Okay. First one. What's your favorite quote? Um, work hard. No, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. The doctor's used one about the more you read, the more you learn. Cool. That's really bad though. I don't actually know what I'm yeah. in my head, but um, Jeez. under pressure though. We're under pressure. Oh, come on. Favorite book. Mm. Probably, yeah. Probably embody or what else did I read? Self compassion by Kristen Neff is a good one. Awesome. Yeah. I got a couple. I don't know. They're always self help books. I can't give like a title of one, but a cookbook. Give me a cookbook and I'm happy. I'll flip through and read and yeah. Keep awesome. cooking for us. Favorite, <laughs> favorite movie? Um, I'm really like Disney movies. Yeah. 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 Don't we all? I really love The Lion King. I'm like not a movie person. I like TV series. So Kate, Katie hates fun. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously too. Favorite music? I listen to anything. Yeah, I'm anything and everything. Obviously, cool. I like Stay on the nah, fence then. I like Kanye West. Don't hate me. Just like his tunes, and I also like Flume, um, Odetsa. Is that how you say it? No idea. Yeah. Anyway. What's your favorite podcast? Birds. Good answer. Yeah. What's yeah. really your favorite podcast? <laughs> I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. You're trying to get me on the bandwagon. I know, and I'm trying to get on it. It's all I do with my life. Yeah. Um, and coach. That one that you made me listen to the other day, I really liked that. Joe Rogan. Yeah, that one. Shout out. And um, favorite. Fiona has a new podcast that's pretty great. Awesome. Yeah, I was listening to a um, eating and food relationship one. It was like this woman. She's literally from the other side of the world. You might have to narrow it down a little bit. Yeah, I I'll have to I'll have to write it down. Um, I used to listen to Joe DeFranco's one a fair bit, um, but yeah. I got a bit tired of it after a while. Um, yeah, probably those two. Awesome. I'll give links to the one that Favorite I'm Favorite food. Last question. Chocolate. I can't give you one. Yeah. Right, chocolate on. and cheese. Anything and cheese. Maddie bakes. Chocolate and cheese. Is yeah. red wine a food group? Yes. Says I can't Maybe. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Well, thank you, Maddie. Thank you, Lucky. Thank you, Katie. Thanks, Lucky. Do you guys have any more for any more? Um, no. Me and um, Mads will give you guys some links to this to the books and stuff we're talking about. Yeah, we, we might yeah. put up a resources. Yeah, we put up a resources page with it. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. If you guys have any questions or queries or anything, you can contact any of the three of us. Uh, contact Vertus Performance info at vertusperformance.com.